0: This is Captain Lee, and you're listening to The Andertons Podcast. Hey guys, it's The Captain here. You're watching Andertons TV. Thanks for tuning in. My guest today is none other than Steve Vai, guitar master um, in the UK, touring sold out shows. It's a, a massive honor to meet you. Thank you. Um, and as I was kind of saying before, I like these kind of interviews to just be like two guys that are just going, hey, what We're are you We're just two guys, do you do? two blokes. You know, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so take it, you know, I, I know uh, you're brought up in New York, mm-hmm. Italian family, yeah, and interestingly, not a, uh, not a massively musical family.
1: No, not so, at all.
0: how has this musical creative genius kind of been born out of that environment? Well, you know, that's uh, you'd probably have to ask somebody else about <laughs> that. But uh, it is kind
1: of interesting that nobody in my entire family on either side, yeah. all the way as far back as we can kind of trace, was a musician. My, my great-great-grandfather on my mother's side played the violin, and he had a uh, size 13 feet and really large
0: hands, just like <laughs> me. It's the closest we could find, you know? <laughs> oh, that's mad. Yeah. So, but were they into music? Do you remember growing up in your household always having the radio on and hearing
1: well, stuff? yeah, you know, I was so fortunate because I, I have two brothers and two sisters and three of them are older than me and they were always kind of, that's how I heard. That's how mm-hmm. you hear, yeah. you know, it's what your, your siblings are listening to and my folks. Did have a record collection, but it was like they had these comedy records and these like polka records with like accordion right. and stuff. So, like, all good Long Island Italian yeah. boys. Yeah. When I was a little kid, I played accordion, you know. But there was one record that they had that really captured me very, very deeply, and that was um, the original uh, soundtrack from West Side Story. Okay. That really hit hard because yeah. it, it, the movie itself was incredible. Yeah. And it had all this drama, it had a story, and it had historical music. I mean, the melody, Leonard Bernstein and yeah. Stephen Sondheim. I and mean, when you're yeah. a kid and you're watching that, the music is so beautiful. You know, that's uh, when I, I decided I wanted to be a composer. I wanted yeah. to write music, you yeah. know. And I studied that. But then my sister came home with Led Zeppelin. You know? <laughs> and I was 12 years old. She came home with Led Zeppelin too. Yes. And that was it. As soon as I heard that, you know, it's like, oh. yeah, attention. And that's when I said, I'm not gonna play the guitar. Oh,
0: that's it. So now, of course, you've got one of those, like one in a million kind of paths cross where, you know, by the time you're in your teens, you're getting lessons from Joe Satriani. I mean, it's just like. And I, before I was a teenager. Really? So I, how, I started
1: when I was 12. Right. You know Joe lived in the same, we lived in the same town, basically. Went to the same school and he was yeah. about four years older than me. And he was always great. It's the funniest <laughs> thing. He was always Great and who taught him then? It's like this, he's a natural Jedi master. No, Joe's just (laughs) naturally musical from head to foot, right? And he, um, he took lessons, but not necessarily guitar lessons. Yeah, he took lessons from like uh, Lenny Tristano and okay, people like that. But he was just a natural, you know, one of the things that and I took lessons from him for like three years, yeah, and he was about like four years older than me. But when you're Twelve. Yeah. Somebody that's fifteen or sixteen is like yeah. a god. Yeah. Especially if they can play Led Zeppelin, <laughs> and Joe can play. You can play anything, you know. Uh, but one of the the great advantages that both he and I had was a, a very inspired music teacher in our high school. Right. So we learned music theory, and yeah. I he, uh, and he taught me how to compose, and I was writing for the high school orchestra. Yeah, but I didn't I wasn't really applying it to the guitar. I didn't really okay. make that connection until I started taking lessons from Joe. Yeah. And when I started with Joe, I didn't know how to play the guitar at all. Oh, really? Yeah, no. So I that's know. not
0: because I know um,
1: I had strings on a guitar and I didn't even know how to put the strings oh,
0: on. Oh, incredible. <laughs> yeah. I thought he, he was like taking you from a level and. no, wow, what he took me from ground start. zero, man. And so, I mean, I always love uh just what what, it, what what was your first guitar you know do you remember oh, yeah, like yeah man
1: uh, I, it was a tesco del rey do you remember those yes aren't they just great they they're like the, the most expensive looking cheapest guitar you can <laughs> buy you know because they had like these little there was a little body and they had like three pickups yeah. So you see something with three pickups and you're like and all these switches yes and but it had a whammy bar and that was like, a, as soon as I saw that, I said, yes, that's, <laughs> that's going to be my
0: arm. With your time amplifier, day. my time up and... to maximum. and
1: That's right. Well, what I did back then, I didn't have an amplifier. I figured out a way to hook up my sister's power, amp- this power amplifier from her stereo yep. to speakers. And I just kept blowing them. I, they'd work for like three <laughs> days, and then all of a sudden they... And just when they were burning
0: out, is when they really sounded good too. You know. <laughs> have, you, have you ever used that technique on a like mm-hmm. the, like a Van Halen style? Do you know what the sound we need for this record is? My sister's <laughs> old hi fi, just as it's about to get blown up. And it never
1: <laughs> sounded bad enough to be good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, what was the what was the light bulb moment or the offer uh, when you thought um, I'm going to make a career out of this? Was it the was it the, the zapper moment, or had you sort of prior to that? Was it quite clear in your mind that, that this was how your life was going to be, you know, guitar player?
1: Well, I think when you're that age, you're not thinking about the rest of your life. Mm. You know what I mean? You're just thinking about what is exciting to me right now. Yeah. And I, I've been asked that question and I've, I've searched myself for a particular time when I thought I made a decision, but I never did. Right. I never made a decision to be a musician. I, I always just felt, I like this. Mm. I really like this other things were interesting but this this was like lightning mm. you know it, just listening to music the way it made me feel and, and and playing it and and the guitar was just such a a delicious instrument you know mm. and every time i would pick it up and I, I couldn't play something and then i'd practice it and all of a sudden i could play it mm. this is like this is addictive yeah you know it's it, the feeling of accomplishment of you know it didn't matter uh, if you were well known in your town, or liked, or if you were considered a geek, or a, 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 whatever anybody yeah. may have thought, when, you know, and I, I, I had a lot, you know, I was friends, I had a lot of friends and stuff, but when I was playing the guitar, and I was achieving little, little things, every, every little achievement was like this feeling of, of uh, just appreciation and, and just excitement. So that yeah. becomes addictive and they became, I became very myopic mm. at it. You know, every, everything else just went away. I guess it's akin to like, um, maybe kids these days that get addicted to video games. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, uh,
0: it's tough. I, 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 my, uh, daughter, my little five-year-old daughter, she has a game on a, on an iPad and, um, it's very, very quick and easy for her to get like the five stars in a game. And it yeah. worries me slightly that I know a musical instrument will never give that gratification that fast. She will never get, she will never be able to like three minutes into a video and go, Daddy, I have five stars. And I, I do worry that, that, there's, a, that we're, we're, there's a generation growing up now that just, that just will not have the, uh, the willpower to, I don't know if you've even, you know, I don't know if you've seen, cause you, you know, Well, yeah, any, I mean, I have like two, two boys yeah.
1: and they, they're millennials basically. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't worry. Because in many ways, and this is just my perspective, that my kids are a lot smarter than me. <laughs> they, they're sharper. They think quicker. They move quicker. Their peripheral is, um, they're just, you know, they're aware. And, of course, there's certain things that you just don't, you can't embrace until you go have life experience. But they, uh, they, there's just different brain muscles that develop yeah. in every generation. And we always think that it's getting worse, but it. I, I, but that's, that's just the, us. Human nature, it's isn't because, it? Yeah, we we'll always like, hark
0: back for yeah. the glory days of our youth, and it's yeah, all like worse Yeah, like for me, there'll never yeah. be a
1: band as good as Queen or yeah. Led
0: Zeppelin, you know. And but I, that's I play true, though. Yeah, so. I play that from... my.
1: <laughs> that's play, just, yeah, that's, that's true. Just though, true. Right? That's just I mean, true. <laughs> that,
0: that, 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 I'm sorry, young people, but yeah. that's just true. That's just true.
1: Sorry, you'll never know. And when I play that stuff, my my kids, they're like. You know, I remember when they were young Yeah. because uh, they're like 26 and yeah. 29 now and uh, when they were young I would like oh, I can't wait to my, when my kids are like young I'm going to get all the I bought all the re- all the favorite my favorite records when I was a kid Ziggy Stardust Billion Dollar Babies Old Queen Led Zeppelin Deep yeah. Purple yeah. you know Jethro Tull all this stuff and I'm playing it for them and they're like yeah dad it sounds okay but it sounds old <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> and and then the interesting thing is yeah. my son they have great taste in music in a sense and very discerning yeah you know and they i started getting educated through them because then they were bringing home all the music it wasn't my parents anymore that i was or my sisters yeah. or or you know it was my kids and that's how i kept uh i i was able to keep up with what was relevant in the metal fields because my yeah. my one son Julian is like into like this heavy heavy music you yeah. know and uh fire is into like serious techno and they they're yeah. very good. and I listen to this stuff and they're very discerning you know so that's it's kind of like the times tables changed yeah. oh, that's cool yeah. now
0: obviously it's fair to say you you lived through um you know, an unbelievable period of like excess guitar, hair, rock, metal. You know, the the the, the David Lee Roth, yeah, the White Snake. <laughs> Which, you know, now I I've, I've been watching interviews of you over the last couple of days, just going, kind of, let's let's try and work this guy out. And yeah. you always seem to be the one that was a bit more serious in those. You know, you you always come across as the the kind of slightly more serious one in in those interviews. Do yeah. you? Did you feel even back then, I don't know if this is where I'm gonna be fulfilled doing this kind of stuff. Mm. Do I need to just be more, I don't know, serious about the craft or? No, no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was kind of hoping you would say that. So you yeah, missed no. the excess? Is that what you're sort no, of saying?
1: No, I, I, I experienced the excess when it was appropriate to experience it, <laughs> and then I moved on from it. You know? uh, but cool. I tell you, I mean, there was nothing. Uh, I mean, I don't know what, how people tour now in rock bands. Yeah. You know, they seem serious, right? You know, back then, man, it, like with Dave Roth touring, yes. there was nothing like it. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I can't even tell you. I tell people, some people, and, and it sounds unbelievable what went on. I mean, it was just fantastic. I was more of an observer. Right. Though, you know, I mean, I never, you know, when you're in a situation like that and you're selling out arenas around the world and you're virtually famous overnight, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and you're selling tons of records and, and people change. Around you, you know, and that's okay, you know, I, yeah. I get it. But uh, you, 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 you have access to uh, money, drugs, all kinds of sex, anything you're interested in, you can, it's just there. Yep. And on tour with Dave, it was there in like
0: <laughs>
1: exponentially. <laughs> I mean, I can. Well, you can you, so
0: you can see that in the videos. It's yeah. Just so
1: it, it has a tendency. But I saw as I was going through it, I knew that it was a, a fun game, so to speak. Yeah. I never. I wasn't. I didn't do drugs. I did, I was. I, I was uh, in a relationship, and you know, right. I didn't. I, I wasn't uh, promiscuous in that yeah. way, really, and uh, and I didn't really. Uh, I liked I liked the money, yeah. but I don't I don't I never had a never bought fancy cars or stuff like that, you know. And so it was really great, Because yeah. I didn't get sucked into it. Yes, I was like a colorful fly on the wall, and I knew instinctually that it was going to pass. Yeah, what you're going to do is look. And it passes, you know. Uh, so I really embraced it and loved it. But there was also a, a particular type of music that I knew was in me, that was. Eventually, going to have to come out, yeah. And so that's when, after the Dave Roth thing, and I, I did the Passion and Warfare,
0: and mm. you know, because the, was that a? I don't get the sense that that was about you saying I want to be center stage here. I just got the sense it was a, a creative, stylistic thing, just saying I need I need to to do this kind of music rather than yeah. just you know, be the crazy you know stunt man on stage with Dave Lee Roth or yeah. So is that what, is that a? You know, do you feel I, I really that,
1: enjoyed. All that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like with Dave Roth and Whitesnake and Alcatraz and Frank Zappa, mm-hmm. all these kinds of things that he did in the, the, the Crossroads movie. All this, they were great gigs. Yeah. But there was an in, instinctual kind of music that I knew was inside of me that I... Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. You know, people have uh, it, visions, mm-hmm. but a lot of times those visions for their creative uh, pr- potential is cut off mm. because of their own thoughts basically you yeah. know that, that's the one thing that uh, will kind of steer them away mm-hmm. but when I the interesting thing when I sat down to do well even my first solo record Flexible which is very quirky kind mm-hmm. of peculiar record I had no expectations I, I wasn't I didn't think like you know this I, I have to be successful at this or Who's my audience? Is this radio friendly? What? Who's? What are people going to think about it? There was none of that, because I just thought having a career in the music business was just off of my radar. I just wanted to be a musician. I just loved playing the guitar and recording and listening to this crazy music. That was the 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 gist, you know. And everything came from that, you know. Everything. I kind of. It's weird, you know. It's like my whole career is just seems to continue to be handed to me on a silver platter. I don't have to do anything except what I, what I like, what I really love. Of course there's challenges and you know stuff yeah. like that. But then when it came time to do passion and warfare, I, I actually thought that it was the end of my career
0: right
1: because I just I just got finished of like four years of intense touring and recording with Roth and Whitesnake and selling out arenas and stadiums around the world and uh, Being on the cover of all the magazine winning all the awards and I thought I'm not gonna chase that because it's a part of me, but it's not really Mm -hmm. who who I am uh, Musically it's part an enjoyable part. So when I sat down to do passion warfare I didn't think there'd be any real audience for this kind of music, but the creative impulse was so strong that it trumped any fears of, you know, failing or not being accepted or I had no expectations for it. I actually made the con- I thought, conscious thought that, OK, you're leaving all of the big rock star stuff. Yeah. It was great and it was fun. And, but it's, it's kind of I didn't want to have to sustain that. You know, I just wanted to do this. And surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's, I think that, yeah, I found it quite, uh, I've never realized what, i would never realized how much sort of, I don't want to call it life coaching, but sort of, you know, you you have quite an inspirational um, attitude, nothing to do musically, just about really understanding in life what is it that, that flicks your switch and makes you excited and fulfills um, mm. some inner, satisfaction fulfillment and to try to 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 make that your sort of life goal to try and yeah fill as much of your life with that as possible
1: well i i feel that everybody has the potential to do that Mm. you know because everybody your your biggest obstacle is your own ego Mm -hmm. you know it's it's insidious you don't really even know that it's what it's doing because there's so many things that uh people do that they enjoy that they're like for instance almost everybody has something that they do that when they're doing it they they just really they enjoy it there's no fear in it there's no fear of failure or being judged there's no uh concerns about how they're going to do it or, it's just this free-flowing they see it and it and it and it feels natural to them and, and it could be the simplest thing, simplest little thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's playing a guitar, maybe it's cooking, maybe mm. it's organizing things, maybe it's numbers. It could be anything. And if you, if you ask yourself what that is, you'll start to see it. Mm. And if you can find a way to make a living out of it, which you, is absolutely possible, you'll have a happy life, mm. you know, because you'll be doing what you really enjoy. And the success... Is a consequence of doing what you enjoy. So that's yeah. a, the thing that a lot of I, I meet a lot of young musicians, and they kind of feel that uh, they have a goal to be successful. And until they have the you know all of the successful accoutrements, the mm. millions of dollars, the fame, the adulation, the Grammys, the magazine, you know, then they'll then they'll be happy, mm. you know. But really. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know anybody that has really had a substantial impact or career in any business that didn't find a great enjoyment in what they did. And if they were the, the miserable son of a bitches that some people can be, then they fought the whole way, and you know, to to mm-hmm. get to a particular point uh, and st- st- marched over anything in the way. <clears throat> and when they got there. They're more miserable than ever mm. because it's not satisfying.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you think that you've particularly had to deal with that? Because I know you've, you've, you've said on, on record before that, you know, you've had uh, depression sort of issues and stuff. Do you think it's been particularly important for you to understand that? I, I come from a family who m- my father uh, suffers with depression as well. And, yeah. and that cost him marriage and all kinds of stuff yeah. back in a time when uh, it wasn't diagnosed and he was just miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone said, what do you got? You got this successful business, you got money, you got kids, why yeah, none
1: of that matters.
0: Come on, snap yeah. out of it. Snap Just out ma- of it. Yeah. And, it, and we all know now that, uh, but, yeah. and certainly lifestyle, physical fitness, uh, healthy living has, yeah. has helped massively more than, uh, drugs or yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mean, you know, recreation, I mean, as in pharmaceutical yeah, sure. drugs. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I can imagine if it is a, if it is a state of mind, it must have been quite helpful for you, quite therapeutic for you to be able to, to, to just be able to pick your life apart and go, I, I understand what I need to surround myself with to just be happy.
1: You know? Well, you're close. Right. And at least this is my experience. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, suffering, mental anguish mm-hmm. is your best spiritual teacher. Because uh, I was fortunate because uh, this happened when I was young, mm-hmm. like 20 between the ages of 21 and 22, 20, and I had a great gig. I was playing with Frank and you know with yeah. Zappa, and everything was going great. But you you can't. It's inexplicable, meant you know that kind of mental mm-hmm. depression. And it's it's at that time in 1982. It, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what what it meant, or uh, I thought I was losing my mind. And mm-hmm. that's not uncommon, especially at that age when you're. Because I was intense, man. Mm-hmm. You know, really. And it, just intense kind of a person, you know. Perfectionist, or just, well, just do you think, or just, just nothing's ever good enough. Probably, just, uh, probably all ego. Yeah, mm-hmm. nothing's good. I'm not good enough. You know, and everything. So you create this. You know, all that depression is is the quality of the thoughts in your own head. That's what it is. People say it's a medical condition. I don't know, but I know for me, what when I started to. Uh, start looking into myself, I I, I started to, uh, well, there was this metaphysical bookstore in Hollywood called The Bodhi Tree. And they had all these books on spirituality and ev- everything, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I remember I found this book on, uh, it's called The Magic in Your Mind. And it was the first thing, time that I ever read anything that pointed to the fact that it's you. It's, it's the thoughts you're choosing to think. And you had said uh, surrounding yourself with things that will be calming it doesn't really work that way you know whatever you're surrounding yourself with whatever you see yourself surrounded by is actually a reflection of what's going on inside of you in a sense but i was very fortunate Mm. because uh i started to find things that brought me to an understanding that what stress is and what depression is it's it's the thoughts in your head that you're choosing to focus on because you believe that they're true. <laughs> and they're right. just not. They're just thoughts in your head. Right. And the deliberate action of of just changing your perspective little by little you, and you can't you, that's the the thing is you you say to somebody snap out of it. It doesn't mean anything yeah. to them when they're in that state because you you can't snap out of it. You mm. but you can you can find other ways other thoughts to think about uh, to focus on that then change your perspective a little
0: bit and that that's what helped me musically Mm -hmm. what uh how did it it affect you know if we look at your catalogue of work yeah there must be albums that you've done during periods where uh, you weren't in a great place, and there are albums that you've done when, assume, presumably, you, you were feeling in a great place. What does it, what does it do to the sort of, does it, does the, 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 like, both work? Because they both inspire something to come out, whether it's anger or sadness or happiness and joy, you know, does, does it still yeah. make you make good music, if that makes sense? Well,
1: like I say, an artistic person goes through changes in their, in their life, in their personal life, and that's reflected in their work, mm. you know? Before I made my first record, and I was writing a lot of music and record, starting to record and learn how to record, this one I was going through a dark stage, and the music was incredibly dark—not mm. dark, heavy like people. Yeah. yeah, I mean dark, dark, you know. And one of the things I realized is, whatever you focus on, you create more of. <laughs> it's so simple. Mm. There's no debating that. You're not exercising your demons by. Entertaining them, you're inviting them into your life more. So, I just started going deeper and deeper into this darkness because, the, and and using the music as an excuse to prove my pain. Yeah, <laughs> so but silly. I, yeah, uh, I, I say it's silly, but not if it's something. If, if you're going through, if that, it's part of the process. It's fine. Yeah. But whatever you focus on, you create more of. It's so simple. So the more I was getting darker and darker, the darker and darker. Until finally it just becomes so painful and so heavy that something has to give, there has, there's a crack. The, the ego has a built-in self-destruct mechanism, and it's called intense suffering. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then, uh, it's funny that I'm sitting like surrounded by guitars and stuff, and I'm talking about this stuff, but it's fine. Maybe it'll be helpful. So what happened was I started to make the... Because then when you're at, at the bottom, you're desperate, yep. and you're looking for any little bit of light. You, you, it's, it's when you know true humility, you know? And you have to be, like, completely open. And, and being at the bottom, sometimes, for for a lot of people... Finally, they surrender. It's about surrendering and saying, I don't know anything. I need help. And it's an inner request. Yeah. It has to be a sincere alignment of a, of wanting help inside. You know, you have to ask for help inside of yourself. Yeah. And then it just starts showing up. It just starts showing, that's the way things work. And I believe.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, I started to write the music for Flexible. Now, if you've ever heard Flexible, my first record, it's like, it sounds like a little kid wrote it. You know, it's like completely innocent and it has this um, naivete in it and it's quirky. And I mean, it was my cathartic process because then I was focusing on this music that was more uplifting. So you asked me, what about the rest of my career? Like... I've never been back there. Oh, well that's great news. No, no, I mean, no. I, I, I know Yeah, because it, it, I mean, of course there's times where, you know, mm. you, you get frustrated or you get, and, and then there'll be little periods of depression, but not, mm-hmm. you know, not like, like that. And I don't strive to play emotionally. Right. I strive to play connected. It's much deeper than emotionally, much more effective, much more powerful because its basis is joy, you know? It's it's an outpouring of joy, in a sense, you know? And when you're connected to something that you do, you can see it with sports, players. You watch the Olympics. Those people are just connected. They're present, intensely present. And that that's what I work on now, you know? When... when um... And that's what I meant about I have a tendency to go on and on and on. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think it's great. I, 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 I,
0: that's, you know, I'm, I've I've got... I wanted to sort of be, I always like to try and get to know the person. I and mean, we can talk about, you know, what are your favorite plectrums and everything I like that. And it's so like- so many
1: interviews where I talk about
0: that stuff. Yeah, and I, and, I, and it's, it's cool. And I'm sure, you know- it and is, it's, fine. it's fine. I'll talk about anything. But um, I did think, um, when you're trying to, you know, you've written, what would you say? Like 80, 90% of your, your work is instrumental. And then there, there's, um, vocal maybe about 70, 70 eight, you know 67 so do you find it um I guess it, you know if you want to uh, convey an emotion within a song with lyrics yeah you just write down whatever the however you're feeling and you express it words but when you're you know when you're writing it do you already know sort of at the beginning of the process right this one's going to be an instrumental or no this one's probably going to have a vocal line in it. and and when you yeah. are going sort of full instrumental, what is it that you're, you know? I I, I find it fascinating yeah. how people are sort of translating. What 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 am I thinking? Like even the simplest thing about naming a song that's an in- instrumental, because it's yeah, you know, most songs are named after a line that's in the yeah. chorus or yeah, something. Yeah, sure. You know? So how do you? Well, I don't think there's any wrong way, mm.
1: you know. And um, sometimes this, sometimes I know immediately if it's if I if it's going to be an instrumental or if it's going to be a vocal song. And sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this point where I, I'll get to where I, I try to let the song tell me what it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't know until it's finished. Because like, the, the melody is so nice, I, I may want to put vocals to it, or I, may want, I like to do it on the guitar. So I don't allow myself to think that anything is right or wrong. It just is. Mm-hmm. And that's so much easier when you're working it's just this is the way and and that when you when you're connected your instincts know your inst and everybody has instincts and your instincts can never they will never deceive you if you have access to them and the only thing that obscures your instincts is your ego Mm -hmm. (laughs) so if i can find a moment of stillness when i listen to a piece of music it tells me what it needs it tells me everything it'll tell you the melody what the melody is mm-hmm. you know it'll tell you the name and there's so, there's no rules because you can it's it's there's just no rules you can uh, write a song about uh, anything you can somebody can you can find inspiration in a, a phrase that somebody says mm-hmm. or uh, a dream you had or <laughs> you know what you ate for breakfast you know it could be anything oh that's cool most so, of the time it's about relationships you know well yeah or Sex. some
0: form of emotion isn't it and yeah. but when you so the, the the album uh when you did the the collaboration with devin townsend mm-hmm. was that you know half of me thinks in the back of you know are you going you know what if i just did a album where there's singing on every tune it'll just be more mainstream and successful than if i stay instrumental or or was that just, you know, he's a super cool dude and it was just a fun opportunity to do or, you know?
1: Well, maybe there was some of that in there.
0: Um, after I
1: had finished Passion and Warfare and it was an instrumental record, I, I couldn't really see how I could go out and tour on that. Oh, right. And if I really wanted to be a front man, mm-hmm. you know, like standing in the front, I liked kind of being on the side and having somebody in the front. Uh, so N Plus, there was a, a movement happening there was this heavy, heavy metal, like you know, mm-hmm. that that kind of really aggressive kind of thing was starting to happen. And when I met Devin, he was really submerged in that stuff, and uh, so a lot of the the heaviness came from his influence mm-hmm. too. But uh, yeah, there was something that was also saying you'll probably have more success if you have a lead singer and you have a band. So that's that was mm-hmm. the that, that it never. Really registered. It was more of an agenda mm-hmm. than something like passion and warfare. Having said that, I like doing. I like the record. Mm. People think I don't like that record. Oh, that's I don't a know great why. record. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Matter of fact, it's one of my best-selling back rec- catalogs. Right. It, it was kind of. Uh, it was before a lot of that heavy, mm-hmm. you know, the metal movement. Uh, that that dark, that deep, that yeah. intense metals. But it was it had a twist the quirky yeah. musical kind of twist that i put on things but uh no it was it, it was just uh, uh, one of those phases you yeah. know nice. but then after it uh i just wanted to take a different direction you know i didn't i just didn't i wasn't so
0: focused on song oriented commercial mm-hmm. kind of things does the does the Critical acclaim or or reaction, you know, whether it's negative or positive. Do you does that uh, affect you heavily, or are you quite able to just, you know, as long as you're happy with the record, it's sort mm. of water off a duck's back. What people think.
1: Well, it's my perspective on that has changed through the years. You know, yeah. when you're young, anything that anybody says, well, at least for me, it it has an effect on you. Mm. Especially when the internet came out and people could now, you know, write what they're thinking yeah. and. You know, you could work a year and a half on a record and give it your best shot and feel really good about it yeah. and put it out there and all of a sudden, you know. Welcome to our world. Yeah. On YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got somebody that says this is the worst piece of shit I've ever heard in my life, you know, it, you've blah, let blah 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 section. <laughs> <laughs> And and you believe it, and you're like, what are they talking about? And it's like some 15 year old kid in the Midwest that jerks off the internet porn seven times <laughs> a day, that you know has that has an opinion,
0: yeah.
1: that has and also a god complex, and you're taking it seriously. Yeah, you know. So, I, and plus, I've I've probably been the most <laughs> criticized guitar player in the world because I was at the you know at the pinnacle of that shred movement when it first kind of really yeah. came out me and my peers so to speak and then when the 90s came and grunge hit like all of the all the rock stars just were decapitated you yeah. know so yeah. anything that was everything that was wrong about playing the guitar they'd point they said that that's yeah. bad you know because
0: it, did, it was a different thing you know, it did this... get by the end of the 80s i i learned to play guitar in the 80s i guess i'm just trying to work out my own age now so mid 80s onwards and it's quite um it was quite daunting this idea that you you would go right i'd love to play the guitar and it's like who, who's out there well it's joseph triani and steve Vai, and then there's mark Knopfler, and then there's um you know and it and the list at that yeah. time was was you know there was a quite a few guitar heroes at that time yeah. and you're going i've just learnt my first chord and you're going i am so
1: yeah Many people, years
0: away from being this people
1: good. People were just fatigued yeah. with the idea yeah. of having to be able to play like that to be considered yes. good. And, and a, I totally get it. So in know. a way,
0: when, when whether it was Nirvana or Oasis yeah. or whatever you know, came along, it was just like, oh,
1: okay, actually, I can... I make- don't
0: have to be able to do that. Yes, no, I get it. But
1: make- one thing that you might have noticed also was there's this, uh, there's this evolutionary uh, impulse in the human spirit to continue to evolve all, you know in any field. Mm. So there's a there was a whole slew Dur- during the 90s when all that grunge was happening there was also this underground movement of players that still wanted to play the hell out of their instrument. Yeah. So they they were and they were coming into the world and seeing guys like Ingve and of course you yeah. know <laughs> and, my, and Edward and Joe and myself and and saying okay that's where I have to start. Yeah. You know that's where I start. Which is the way it works. You know we all stand on the shoulders of those that come before us, anyway, and then they now they took it to a different level, and then people take. I mean, I see players now that like that shred, and I'm just like, <laughs> you know, can't even figure. I mean, I know what they're doing, but it's not very appealing to me. Yeah, uh, it's fascinating, and I, I, pre, you know, I can respect it, but uh, well,
0: no, well, I, I like melody. I, I'm <laughs> I'm loving the idea. one of the one of the questions that I I wrote down is because I. I I would love to know, honestly, during the, the whole G3 honestly, thing. Honestly, now no, he wants me to be I, honest. I, I want to know, during the <laughs> G3 thing, how competitive did it get? You know, you're on stage, and I don't know whether you're going you know, you're, you're to go second or third or whatever like that. And
1: Listen, if, just anybody, if anybody ever tells you <laughs> 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 that they don't compete, or, you know, they're wrong. Uh, or they they're just not able to see that it, it there's always something even if it's you know if there's this much space there there's this much even if there's that much cause sometimes there's that much in people you know what i mean but with g three it's it was it's kind of different because joe's like my, my yep. father and it's you know like a, my mentor my buddy yeah and i've always looked up to him but still in me there was the feeling that uh you got to keep up here by you know, you got to make sure that you're delivering yeah. the best you can because this is serious business, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, but it was, you know. But uh, the thing that I noticed was more prevalent in my focus was uh, when you're surrounded by these mountains, Yeah. you know, these musical giants who are at the top of their game, and the reason they're on that stage is because they have something unique to offer. Yeah. You don't compete with them because it's foolish. You, <laughs> you don't compete with Ingve Malmsteen to try to play faster or whatever. You know, you don't compete with Joe Satriani to try to be the, what Joe is. You know, yeah. it, it, and that's not what you're there for. But what you do compete, what you do find yourself competing with, is your own potential. Okay. Because they push you. They push you to be. Yeah. The very best that you can be. You have to, and you have to be able to rise to that occasion. And that's the great thing about,
0: you know, a, a G3 tour or a Generation X tour. That is a very diplomatic answer. And when we get Ingve Malmstein on here, I will ask him the same thing. And I wonder if we'll get the same response. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am conscious that...
1: Let me uh, tell you something. Go on. for could care less about what anybody is doing. I mean, as far as competing... I, I I mean I've he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And we do the Generation Acts tour and we have so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. And we play together, we do this section of the show where we you know, we, we trade on uh Black Star. And he is perhaps the most confident
0: guitar player I've known. More is more. Yeah. Man. More, is <laughs> more, more is more man. <laughs> <laughs> Well um I'm conscious on time, because I know we've got a we've got a super exciting sold out clinic to go to tonight. We've got to go and sound check. So I've got a couple more. I do want to do a quick kind of like, you know. Okay, I, and... I have
1: as much time as you want. Oh, well, that's think. cool, man. I
0: appreciate <laughs> that. Um, one of my other sort of, you know, dilemma questions, I suppose, is uh, there was an article written last year, I think it was George Grun wrote the article about the, the guitar is dead. And I kind of, I think I kicked back on that and I could kind of see a little bit why someone like George would write that you know he's been in the round a long time and you know he's perhaps seeing it from a different perspective but there is a you know I think you can look at the guitar and go well it's a finite number of notes with you know uh, it isn't the you know it with potentially a generation of people coming into it that may not you know, we'll have so many other distractions as they're growing up mm-hmm. that they may not feel they, they, they want to, to input the time to master it. And I guess life says things change anyway. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like well, nothing else really sustains itself forever in terms of... Um, Thank God. Exactly. So I, I guess my question, you know, do you, have you ever... Th- perhaps doesn't bother you, but, you know, I wondered, do you think about, you know, do you think the guitar has kind of had its heyday? Do you think it's... Or do you think there's still... Uh, uh, tons of new and exciting things to explore We you just haven't found them yet?
1: Well, the correct answer is I don't know. Of course. Uh, but um, when I look back at history, it's very obvious to see that there's always these evolutions, evolution in consciousness, evolution... In, and that, that just spreads itself out into evolution in technology and business and... I mean... <laughs> there's kids now that can't remember what it was like without a cell phone mm-hmm. you know and it's going to happen on the guitar it's just going to be different than before mm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it, it'll just be different and those who were there when it happened before will think it'll never be as good but there's kids being born into the world now that have refined tools this paradigm shifts that happen you know on the planet where things just you know, and then there's a different perspective and a different set of tools. For instance, uh, your very own uh, London, uh, Jacob Collier. Do you mm-hmm. know this
0: kid? Yeah, you mentioned Jacob. I need, I'm definitely yeah. going to check him oh, out. Yeah. He's absolute monster Ellison. player. Ellison. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolute phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing to watch. It's, there's a connection. Now, is he like a virtuoso guitar player? Not, not like you would expect. If I say check him out, mm-hmm. you, you're not going to go see somebody play. He just is completely musical from head to foot in a way that I have. Uh, you, don't, you just don't see. Yeah. And his joyous outpouring of music is simple and and powerful, and it's unique. But it's not like anybody would have expected before. You see, them. and there's people like that that are starting to come mm. into the world, and their their tools are just different. It's just natural evolution and they're using technology in ways that we just can't imagine so all bets are off on what's going to happen that you might think would happen a particular way yeah but there will absolutely i i, I believe the there will absolutely mm. be an evolution mm. yeah well, that's quite ex- but it just I mean, takes
0: that one person to come along and yeah it. and that's the it's the who knows isn't it i guess you know people were probably sitting around in in the 1950s and then Elvis Presley came along or of course know, or, the, or Led Zeppelin the, well, Led Zeppelin or Jimi 20, Hendrix you yeah. know or uh, and all and, and, off, in all right different man? fields mm.
1: you know Stevie yeah. Wonder you yeah. know and 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 Jacob Collier
0: Well there you go Jacob yeah. no pressure <laughs> but we, obviously after all
1: those names that were just listed out And others too you know I'm sure well look, so sports and things like that you, Okay sorry let's do
0: gear let's let's all right. let's do gear Now it's kind of weird isn't it because because um, but this isn't new, is it?
1: <laughs> as such, uh, thirty-two years old, brother. I uh, mean, well, they get the the design is old.
0: Yes. Yeah. But and I mean, that is. Uh, this is so part of the guitar establishment now, yeah. that I think that people actually forget that you, as a young guitar player, went to Ibanez and said, "I've got some ideas." And yeah, I mean, what was? Back in the day, I mean, did I were I been as like, yeah, cool, let's work together? Or <laughs> did, were they like, who? Just Vi, Steve, who? Yeah.
1: No, no, no. What, what happened was, I had, uh, when I had joined Dave's band, I, I wanted to real Dave Roth, I wanted to have a guitar that was more specific to some of the idiosyncrasies of the way I play, you know? Yeah. So I, I just took, you know, I took a hunk of wood and I went to this music store. I mean, I didn't take a hunk of wood. They had some bodies, and I reshaped it a bit. And there was just some simple things that were interesting to me that I just weren't available at the time. The one thing that was available uh, was when Edward put the humbucker on a Strat style. That was like the first real super Strat. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's going to be people that see them and say, No, there was a... I don't know. This this is what I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> You've been on YouTube before, haven't you? you yeah. You, you
1: know. <laughs> well, you know, going, it's okay, you know, and, and you know what? Sometimes I'll say something, I'll be wrong, and somebody will research it, I'll read it, I'll say, oh, okay, now I know. Yeah. But most of the time it's, you know. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> there was a couple of things I wanted, like, I love the way wham- I had to have a whammy bar. Mm-hmm. You don't have a whammy bar on this, but We've it's got, got, actually, it's that's got a whammy bar. And uh, I wanted 24 frets, very rare at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and
0: I, uh, there you know, As if by magic. See that? That's what happens when you're violent. It we like that. Okay. It's out a different guitar, but it's out of, guitar, it's it's right out of an console. RG550, so it should be the same.
1: Well, it's enough for
0: the image of things.
1: Okay. So you've got these uh, scalloped frets. That, that idea actually came from Billy Sheehan.
0: Okay. You know, because uh, you get up these tiny so frets. So didn't claim that one then before you, did, you, did he? Oh, no, did no, the scallop, scallop
1: frets was, were common. Oh, really? Yeah, he got it, I, well, I don't know where, I think from uh, Richie Blackmore who played. of course. The, but the, their whole yeah, necks yeah, were yeah, scalloped, of course, you know. Yeah. And as Ingve says, uh, you know, when you have a when you have a scalloped neck, man, you could really grab the note by the balls. Well, <laughs> <laughs> <So, clears throat> one of the things I noticed when uh, you, I play a Strat or a Les Paul was... Uh, or any guitar, most guitars, they, they would give you these high frets, but you could never reach them because they, they, the body was in the way. Yeah. And I'm like, duh, <laughs> you know, what is that? You know, it's just not practical. Yeah. So I made the cutaway so it perfectly fits my hand. And then the body shape, you know I, did, I, I, I wanted, I like the, the, the sexiness of the way mm-hmm. a guitar looks and strats always looked a little pedestrian. This is more sexy. It's a great word for us. Yeah, it's gotta, you know, you. They're like utilitarian. I like, I like you, know? <laughs> you know,
0: it's just you know.
1: <laughs> this is this is like this is like a porno game or something, you know. <laughs> it's got nice round shape. So then I, uh, the pickup configuration was unique at the time too. Yeah. Because I wanted the the double coils humbuckers for mm-hmm. the you know the real uh, fat sound. Because single coils, I'm, I hated that sound scratchy, thin, yeah. uh, but I did like that sound when you had two single coil pickups. Yeah. So we designed this pickup selector to split the coil when you're in the middle position, the, the, the in-between pickups. Yeah. So you get two single coils, and that was unique. That was the a time. unique design. Yeah, at the time. that's what right, they tell I mean, me. Uh, yeah, for nice me, it was just like, this makes sense, yeah. you know? And I, I couldn't understand why when you vibrated a note, that was about as high as you're gonna get, you know? And I'm like, I want this, I want to go, you know. You know, I want that note to bend. So yeah. I was just looking at the guitar and I saw that the wood that was in the way was uh, what was stopping the bridge from. So I took the hammer and a hammer and a screwdriver and I was just checking. <laughs> splinters all over on the this, place.
0: On this 59 strat or something. That's <laughs> <laughs> What are you no, not a 50,
1: I didn't care about any of that stuff either. And next thing you know, you know, you know and. I like that when I mean, you can do that. You know, they couldn't. No guitars could do that back then. That that was because of the Floyd when
0: yeah. it came out. Yeah. But
1: this, uh, I believe it was the first uh, real serious floating trem. Yes. And a couple of other little things like you know the input jack. If you look at like Strats and yeah. Les Pauls, they just don't make sense because you step on the cable and they pull out. So I just it's just a stupid simple design. Yeah. You know, and now you you, you won't have it fall out. And uh, when I had designed this guitar, it was already done. You know, I, I had had this little shop in Hollywood make me these guitars. And then when I had joined Dave's band, a lot of the companies wanted to... I endorse you, uh, yeah, yeah. They wanted me to endorse them. So, and I didn't really, wasn't crazy about the idea of an endorsement. So I sent the guitar out to all the, the people that were interested. And inevitably I got back their guitar with my name on it, you know, which I yeah. didn't understand. <laughs> Except for Ibanez, they gave me the perfect instrument, and in three weeks and incredible quality, and I just thought this is fantastic, you know, and then they said well we want to we want to make it for other people." and I yeah. thought, well, wow, that's kind of odd because I don't know if any, everybody would want these little things, you know They said, "Oh, Mr. Steve, I think I think <laughs> you're, you're wrong, and I thought, okay, but you know what they are pretty." Innovative, in a sense, some of the designs. So I wanted to do at least one thing that I knew nobody would would copy. Yeah. Because it was too quirky and weird. That <laughs> the, the, monkey the monkey grip. Yeah. And I just did it so I could pose. <laughs> baby. Oh, it's just and, amazing. And Look at that.
0: That's, that's right. That is, that is the blue steel. That's right. It? That's the blue that. steel. <laughs> I
1: love
0: oh. it, man. I mean, I, it, yeah. did you have any idea no the idea
1: ma'am because when when I went to ivan i was so i was so pretentious you know at that period I was starting to get into this this there was we were talking about like the depression yeah. and just yeah, yeah. coming out yeah. of that, and then all of a sudden you're famous and it comes in the back door and you're starting to think you're the chosen one and and you know and i started at least that was for me yeah. the ego started getting a little out of control so um uh I forgot where I was going with this, but uh so then we, we, at some point, oh, I, I know. At some point, I decided to just put the seventh string on it. Of course. You yeah. know? And they, they, they the RG, they were making the RG. Oh, I know. <laughs> I went to Ibanez and I said, I want to introduce these guitars in these Dayglow colors. And I want to put a monkey grip in it. And they were just like, this guy's crazy. They thought the guitar was going to just uh, fail. And so did I. I didn't. <laughs> think that you know who's gonna want you know and uh surprise surprise but the rg is uh it's a gem basically yeah, without the yeah. handle and it it it's staggering you know it's like the second or third best-selling guitar
0: You know, it's you, the shape isn't it i mean it's once you go past it's it's i don't know i mean definitely what's the, rocking you
1: know it's it's got a
0: it's edge yeah definitely yeah.
1: but even that's changing these days you know with contemporary guitar mm-hmm. designs and that's fine and we have uh well, i don't i can't really mention it yet
0: well i would I, fun I was things happening say, in, and, it, and it's interesting that you're sort of eluding that that you know of course in the last maybe five years um a guitar that the conventional guitar design has been challenged greatly by brands like Strandberg and uh, Tozan Abasi's new sort of, mm-hmm. you know, vibe where all of a sudden you're going, well, there's no headstock and there's the, 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 the um, it's much less ergonomic, not ergonomic, yeah, sorry, much less. Got
1: uh, some really cool, it, right it's word. just
0: changing. Yeah. Um, I think, I think everybody grows up with it. For, for me, for me, I would be lying to myself and I probably did spend at least two or three years as a guitar player lying to myself about what really drove me to want to own a certain guitar mm-hmm. and i'm very very comfortable now with this idea that it's like 90 percent what it looks like and 10 percent as long as it kind of roughly does what it's sort of <laughs> yeah. supposed to do i'm right. kind of cool with it and for year, you know for a long time you know for, for, for yeah for a good two or three years i was like no 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 i'm not going to admit that to myself and it's all functionality in yeah. and, and well, then yeah. now i'm just i just accept i'm vain yeah
1: well no the well the cool <laughs> thing about a guitar is you could make it a personal choice and it, it, you could decorate it a particular way and yeah. and do all these weird things and i i have to say i really like some of the new designs like for instance um the john petrucci ernie mm. ball guitar
0: oh beautiful. that's like
1: a a beautiful machine mm. you know and one that i saw recently i was, I was doing a gig with Devin, Devin mm-hmm. townsend and he has a, a signature guitar yes. that is just yeah Badass looking, mm. and it, and it, it does it it makes something like like this look dated. Mm. But how can it not? It, it, mm. one day everything is going to look dated in a sense. These things do full circle, is, though, don't they? They yeah. They, no, they, this they, is they, like it's at this point it's classic yes. because it's. I think they say mm. when something's twenty five years old it becomes classic. Mm. This is like it's selling more now than ever. Crazy. It's cr- crazy. It's kind of crazy. I, I look at my royalty statement. And, you know, it's... <laughs> it, 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 the, the last quarter of uh, two quarters ago, it, it, it was the largest sale in the history of the guitar. And, and it's it's the gift that keeps giving. I don't know what oh, to say
0: about it. It's like... Uh, thank you.
1: Yeah. I'd oh, well, a good mean, boy, it's, it's, man.
0: <laughs> but you, des- you deserve that. I mean, in the same way, you know, I got the chance to... to have to talk to john petrucci on the you know in here last year and there's a you reminded me a bit of him when you're talking about this because because so many artist guitars are the artist is very flattered to be to ask to do something and they go well i kind of already like this existing model but if you do it in my color and, and like you know maybe i'll yeah. change the pickup then that's what they do but again john very much a little bit like you was no no, no i uh, you know the guitar has to do this and performance wise has to do this and i don't like the way it does it so that 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 uh, majesty model of his um yeah. is the same i mean it's perhaps it's going to have to be around for another 20 years before it feels kind of as as sort of part of the the, the, the establishment and the sort of you know as, as normal yeah. looking as, as the yeah. gem does but it's amazing so, yeah so,
1: the one thing that um you notice can happen if something is too trendy Mm. then it really, looks, it really looks trendy in the future. Yeah. It's like a fashion. It, mm. Fashions have a tendency to be exaggerated, mm. and then they look old. It was kind of like the story we were talking about where you had guitar players like me that were really blasting away, and then all of a sudden, mm. when the new thing came, it's like, oh, but enough. You- but but something like this, this like when you look at this with the, the day globe paint yeah. and everything, that was a, that's a very eighties thing, you know. And we we made these as the thirtieth anniversary in honor of that. But there's so mm. many different gems
0: but that's what you you kept the you've kept the gem yeah contemporary over 30 years by doing I mean the floral ones how cool were
1: that yeah they were so great Uh, you know
0: and I remember seeing like a burnt floral one that looked amazing and the tree of life thing was you know again even that tree of life it was amazing at the time maybe now it's not such a cool thing you know maybe people are more simplistic with their inlays but you yeah. do. You just go look the, as a as an instrument. As an instrument, it's a great it's, instrument. And yeah, and the, and the, the, the it's fashion got good bit bones. Just, exactly. Yeah, good and the bones. fashion, but the, the
1: the accoutrements are just um, aesthetics that you can play. Exactly. with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But if a if a guitar comes along that's just looks like it's trying too mm-hmm. hard, then eventually it'll it'll probably. Look like it was trying too hard and very passe. Oh, well, that- yeah. So, but I'm so grateful and appreciative that this guitar. And you know what's funny? I, I, I have I, to this day, I have no desire to play any other guitar. I mean, well, of course I have, I love strats, yeah. you know, I, I have, I have probably one of everything and I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 take one down and I'll start playing it, you know, and I'll, I'll maybe start recording something. I'm like, I just can't play it. <laughs> I mean, I, just even for me to sit and play a Les Paul, I just, it's, it's hard.
0: Right. <laughs> it's hard. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah. So, um. AMP wise, a bit of a state of flux this year, you you know, are you in a position to say anything yet, or is it just all top secret? Well, I was so fortunate
1: to have the relationship with Carvin that I had for so many years, Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of that kind of guy, you know, when I find a good relationship, I stick with it, you know, I mean, the people that work with me have been there for decades, I've I've been with the same woman for 38 years, and and this guitar has been, you know, so all the companies, it's usually the same way, and it was... Carvin was so great because they made exactly what I want. We worked hard on that mm-hmm. amp, the Legacy, mm-hmm. and uh, as a result, we had a, a very high quality amp for a very reasonable price because of their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know, they they their mom and pop
0: mm-hmm. kind of
1: you know store, and uh, <clears throat> when they close their doors, they stop making those amplifiers, but they still make the uh, Legacy Stomp. Okay. Pedal, you know, the legacy preamp pedal. But <clears throat> when that happened, it was a surprise, and, and every amplifier company, well, not every, but many companies are interested in having me. All the do switched on ones, stuff. at least. Yeah, the For switched you. on ones, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the, the thing is, I, didn't, I don't play those amps, those carbon amps, because I'm endorsed by them. Yeah. You know, that, that's my sound. It's, I, I cannot find another amp that is as right. suiting to me. It's like this guitar. I, I just can't. Why don't you make Viamps,
0: then? Why don't, why don't why, why, I can, we can talk I've about done that <laughs> I've
1: done all that kind of stuff. You know, then you're in the amp business. That's all right.
0: You know, I can hook you up. I, I'm. Uh, maybe when I maybe when I was your
1: age, I'd do it. You know, but at some point, I You know, I just. I mean, I I've I've started record companies, film things, so many companies. Yeah. And it's it takes your focus away from. Being, yep. uh, you know, doing what I I really want to do now, which oh. is just get as much music out and play as much as I
0: can. Well, that leads me beautifully then to my final question, which is. But if you know any companies that could you know, make do. something do. like a Legacy, I absolutely I would, do. I wouldn't and, be. And, and if know, we exchange uh, contact details after this, I will. I will see what we can. A do. call to
1: all amp <laughs> manufacturers, <from> Steve. Vai <laughs> go buy a Legacy and
0: <clears throat> copy it for me. <laughs>
1: I still uh, I still use the stomp. Uh, pedal. Yeah, that well, like on the
0: on the on the board that sound check, So it'll be cool to see because yeah. tonight we're going to be using a couple of JCM 800s But with the carbon legacy preamp pedal and you know, I'm yeah, sure it'll sound great.
1: Well, I'm not a fan of these at all Oh, it was on your rider. <laughs> I know but if you have orange, I, I would prefer that I don't know if you have any of those uh, the, the, the return I'll use whatever as long as I have my legacy You've got that. that yes, yeah. and and you know you, you we were talking about this This is the dope bomb this is, for people that don't know, this is a power soak. Yep. And it, uh, it's used for when you don't want to use your he- speaker cabinets, and you wanna, but you want to use the head. And this is UA Audio, and Bill Putnam is just one of the most specific, artistic audio manipulators yeah. in the world. And uh, that's a great studio tool, man. It's the best. It's the best. It's just... I've looked for power soaks mm-hmm. since day one. Yep, Day one, when I was with Alcatraz could never find a good power soak
0: uh, that's the one man um, it's, yeah i mean I, I i'm i think the best ever and i've played some power soaks some reactive load power soaks where you can get the amp volume down 40 or 50 percent and yeah. still go this is sounding still like it does loud yeah less than that waste of time but and but this you can have the amp completely off completely as, as you, off you don't have to have it. and and the, the this the Mike put, you know, the speaker emulation software, and I mean, oh man, we, we've, sat and we've sat with that for a long time, and just gone, oh, this is just the best sounds we've ever had. Yeah. You know? yeah. Anyway, okay. so my last and final question. Okay. For anybody who has tuned in to watch this and thought, you know what? I'm not massively familiar with uh, Steve's music.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If someone had, could listen to one Steve Vai tune and judge you, basically <laughs> on that one tune what would you say that's the one. Oh, go and listen to that one because that's that's the proudest thing uh, well or, or that's that's uh, that's hard because you gotta dodge this one
1: <laughs> well uh it's according to what you like if you like you know over the top kind of guitar playing there's songs like uh, uh windows to the soul for the love of god any seventh song on any of my records okay you know, but then I have kind of simple acoustic vocal songs, you know, something like I'm Your Secrets. What if you could only ever listen to one Steve Vai song ever again? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my, I don't Oh Geez, I don't know. Maybe uh, the the answer would change every time you ask me, but the (laughs) one that came to mind right now is The Riddle. Well, you heard it. (laughs)
0: The Riddle. Uh, let it's been an absolute oh, thank you pleasure. So, so yeah. honoured to you, got you a really took nice the time. Show. Yeah. No, thank you, man. And, got a great uh, setup here, man. And we'll go and have some fun tonight. Sound right. check in literally five minutes, so we better go. And right. uh, thank you guys <laughs> for watching. Subscribe if you like what we do, and uh, we'll see you on Anderton's TV All next right. time. Ciao. Thanks a lot. No problem, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our latest podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe button. See you next time.